Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. This is Asia Tech Podcast. We are in the Asia Tech Podcast studio in Singapore. My name is Graham Brown. I'm joined by Barbara Jimenez Breidegum. Breidegum. Okay, so there's a there's a story there, isn't there, that name? But we'll go into that in a bit. Many different countries thrown into that. But originally, you're from Spain. I am Spanish by nationality, Spanish. raised in the Netherlands. Raised in the Netherlands, hence the different names there. Yes. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for coming to the studio. We're going to talk about Shutter. We're going to talk about your journey getting there. And um, this is Pitch Deck Asia. So we will also look at your pitch deck and we will jump off with some of the talking points from your pitch deck. Um, maybe we can start by putting Shutter on the table and talk about what that is first. The name kind of gives it away a little bit. Shutter, cameras, photos, what's it about? Um, Shutter it does come from a photo video background. Uh, originally, uh, the functionality was to be able to extract a photo in original resolution from any video. Right. So if you take a 4K video, you can extract around an 8.4 megapixel photo out of it. Um, strangely enough, that's actually a functionality that isn't inbuilt in any of the camera phones. Right. Even five years down the line, it still doesn't exist. Uh, but if you want to take pictures of children, action sports, pets, or just be with friends and mm. you're afraid that you miss the moment, actually it's very useful. Um, a screenshot of a screenshot means that you've got a very bad resolution. Mm -hmm. If you take the frame out, you That's can actually repost it. Right. Well, stop doing that. Don't yeah. load shutter and then you don't have to do that anymore. So, so why, why do we need to do that? What's the reason that we need to do that? Well, okay, there's several reasons for it. Um, we started out with the tagline, never miss a moment, mm. um, because it is difficult to get good photos. Mm. And the best photographers, they'll take 50 shots of a two second uh, moment mm. and only have one or two frames that are actually valuable. Most of us don't have the time to, to go around or the, the storage capacity on our phones to take around 50 shots. Mm. So if you just take a video, then at leisure from your sofa, you can go and find that perfect moment. Mm. We've noticed that it's a functionality actually that people really appreciate. We've grown to about two and a half million users worldwide. Mm. And once people are on, they keep coming back to it because there keeps, the moments keep popping up mm. in your life where you go, oh, I, I just missed it. Oh, right. I just missed it. Well, you don't need to do that anymore. T tell me a little bit about the, um, the, the quality of the, the image that comes out. Is That's always the issue, isn't it? If I record in video, then, you know, it's not going to produce a photo as good as taking it with my DSLR, for example? Or where are we now with that? So put me in my place. It's really difficult to compete with a DSLR. Mm. I mean, we're talking about some serious equipment there. That costs some serious money as well. Um, the quality of the photos very much depends on on the quality of the camera phone that you have. Mm. Um, a lot of the cameras now are 4K, and like I say, that will give you an 8.4 megapixel photo, right. which is not quite a DSLR um, uh, spec, level, but, but level, it's good enough. I mean, it was enough. DSLR a few years back, right? Exactly, and it's good enough for for print. Mm. Not good enough for billboard print, but good enough for right. small print. Okay. Um. So especially for social media content mm. and web content, it gives you perfect resolution photos. Okay, I've got to ask you how you got into that. Do you have like a a videography or photography background? I don't. My Co-founder James does. Right. Um, he used to teach A-level photography. Mm. 
And the light bulb moment actually was five years ago on the 15th of September. Uh, we were at a, a festival of colors in Tarifa mm. on the beach in Spain. Um, it's a bit like a color me run, but mm. without the running. There was just beer and loads of colors. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to get a picture of the flares of, of chalk, colored chalk yeah. going up. And he was simply unable to, to catch it. Uh, every photo would just come out as a very colorful blur. And so he decided to take a video and get the right frame further down the line. Now, coming from the photography and design background and being a developer, obviously he had all the full mm. editing suites. But even with photo editing suites, it still was a screenshot of, yeah. uh, of a video. And so he decided to build it. We have come a long way since that original moment, though. Mm. Well, even in the sense that you... That was Tarifa in Spain, and we're sitting here in Singapore. Yes. So let, let me ask you, where is the company based? Is it based here in Singapore? Our headquarters is in Hong Kong. Okay. And our IT development is in Vietnam. In Vietnam. Yeah. And you are based where? You're based here in Singapore? I am based in Vietnam. Oh, you're based in Vietnam? Yes. Okay. So your development center is in Ho Chi Minh? Yes. Correct. Okay. Your company is registered in Hong Kong? Correct. Okay. All right. Let's unpack that a little bit. How did you turn out to be a company with a, a development center in Vietnam. Did you go the, to Vietnam? But were you in Vietnam? I mean, a lot of people know Vietnam's obviously got a very strong base of developers out yeah. there. H how did that happen? Tell us a little bit about that. We visited Vietnam three times in a year um, in a time when Spain was still uh, very much in the midst of the economic crisis. Yeah. And I think we were taken by the the entrepreneurial passion, mm. it, it's, it's so vibrant in the whole of Vietnam, it's contagious. Um, everyone is studying and doing two jobs or doing two jobs and mm. doing a side project. There seems to be a real drive for people to want to build something out of their lives. And then as you say, they have a very high level of mm. uh, IT skill sets. Mm. Uh, up until about five years ago, um, Windows didn't exist in Vietnamese, so mm. all of those students were actually being trained in English-speaking IT. Wow. So it means that yeah. the communication also is is very easy. It's a very young uh, workforce. I think the average age is somewhere around 27 or so. Mm. Um, and all of those things combined make for uh, yeah, a great, great place to set up a team, mm. team that takes ownership and has the same kind of drive and passion that as an entrepreneur you, you, you want. You're looking for, exactly. right, exactly. How many people have you got out there now? I've um, got about 15 people. 15 people, yeah. they're all developers. Sorry. Mainly developers. Yeah. Um, we have obviously, uh, we have a social network built into the, mm. into the app, so we need community builders, quality management, all of those things that make sure that the content that's on the app is palatable and Right, and okay, acceptable. good. So... Let's unpack the business model a little bit and how that works. I know you've mentioned that you've grown a lot in your user base as well. Before we get to that, maybe we can jump into the pitch deck because you've got a sort of a, a map of the business model. Um, we're getting there. This is the bit we're going to edit out. Right. Oh, there we go. So um, on slide five, where we are now, um, you describe yourself as a measurable online to offline service on the business model. How, how do you actually make money? I know you've got your subscription model there as well, and you've got project basis, I guess, where you're going to clients and you're charging them for that. How does it work? Mm, maybe it's easier if we go back a little bit. Yeah, because, let's do that. Um, 
as I said earlier, Shutter has come a long way since we, we were just a photo video mm. app. Um, we've always made our money from the brands. The app is free to download for users. Mm -hmm. And we made a very conscious choice not to have any advertising within the app. We think it um, puts users back up. Um, they tend to not even see it. So it doesn't really serve a purpose, not for the brands that we work with, mm. but it also alienates the user base that we're working with. So we came up with missions as a concept quite early on. Now, missions are um, photo contests, and the brands will give our users a brief of the type of content that they uh, need to go out and hunt for. Mm -hmm. And the best photo wins a prize. The prices are quite good. It can be a, a camera or a phone or a, a GoPro, something like this. Um, now, from that, our users started asking us for more missions. They started calling themselves Shutter Missionaries, mm. and they were asking us for more activities, more reasons to go out. And this is a little bit where the uh, balloons, the location missions, come from. So whereas photo missions are global and anyone can take part, uh, location missions are hyper-local. They happen in your street. At the moment, mm. they only exist in Ho Chi Minh City. Um, but it's the same concept. The brands pay us to have a balloon on the map. The users complete a small challenge. And when they complete the challenge successfully, they are rewarded by the brand in some sort of way. And this is where the the two-tiered uh, business model comes from. Yeah. Um, actually, the pricing that's on that sheet is a little bit out of date. Um, but So let me, let me understand, a brand would come to you and say, hey, look, we want to um, activate the photography community. Um, we're gonna, we want to do this mission. So they would say, um, as an example, like a Unilever, say, I want you to go and take photography or photos of... Um, let's say young moms as an example. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just sort of freestyling here. Tell me if this yeah, is completely you're, out of context. You're completely on the so right say, track. Okay, do young moms we want people to go out and take photos in situ in the na natural environment? Mm -hmm. Like we don't want to just do like the the, the selfies or the portrait exactly. photos. We want them to doing their thing. Yeah. Right. Want you to go out and do that. So they come to you and say, "This is what we want." And you say, "Okay, fine. We now need to take that to the community. Your missionaries, right? Yes. Put a prize up. So let's say that they." A cash prize, maybe, or some sort of products or something like that? Yeah, it tends to be products because people like the idea okay. of getting a camera or a new, the latest iPhone or the latest... Right, so products, so some yeah. gear. Some gear. Which always appears to them. And then your missionaries go out and shoot this, right? Yes. And what then happens? Are they, they, they do this purely to win the prize, okay? Well, they do it to win the prize. They also do it to get kudos. Right. And, and I think that kudos is is sometimes even more of an incentive than the price itself. Mm. So we, um, any submissions obviously get published on the app itself. We distribute a daily finalist on our social media. Mm. And that's where the kudos comes in. Uh, we get requests from all over going, can we be featured on your, on your Instagram? Can we be featured on your Facebook? Mm -hmm. Well, you can only be featured on our social media if you enter into the contest. Um, so the kudos element is is very big. Um, what people were coming back to us with is uh, the missions are getting us out doing things that we wouldn't normally have thought of doing. Mm -hmm. It's getting us to look at the world in a way that we wouldn't normally have looked at it. And this is what really appeals. It, it gives people something to do. And in a similar vein, the, the location missions, the balloons, the hyper-local missions, which tend to have much smaller prices... 
um, they follow a similar mm. trend. It's like, okay, look up, look around you, what's going on, and maybe try something that you wouldn't normally thought or thought of of trying. Mm. And what would the brands get out of it? Because they could go and pay a a stock photographer to go out and shoot, you know, photos of young mums, as an example. What, what, there must be more to it than just sort of gathering the content, right? Yes. What are they getting? Well, there's um, a big difference between professional content and user-generated mm. content. And um, you can see how the, the the two work differently on social media just by click-through rates. Mm-hmm. So professional photography and even macro-influencer content, so celebrities that mm. endorse products, um, it tends to have a very low click-through rate, very, very low engagement rate. I think globally it's somewhere below 1%. Right. Any of the user-generated content that we distribute, which effectively is micro-influencer uh, content, uh, over 70 missions, we're averaging 35% right. click-through rate, engagement rate. So can we just talk about that a little bit? Because that's quite a powerful statistic. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, um, I don't know if the stats are in the pitch date. But no, we, no. I mean, okay, so you're, you're sort of speaking from like market um, data, which is that a top-level influencer, like a Kardashian, for example, or yeah. a you know, whoever the equivalent in Vietnam is, they would, you know, run a campaign and get a 1% click-through. An influencer will probably get a little bit more than right. just professional content that gets posted by the brand itself. Oh, you mean so the brand's own campaign? The brand's own campaign yeah. tends 1%. to perform at 1%. Right. A macro-influencer might get 10 12 15%. Right. User-generated content, micro-influencer content, in our case is... Uh, averaging out at 35%. Right. But we, we've done a lot of work with Kitetour Asia, the official kiteboarding mm. organization in, in Asia. They are getting on average 55 to 60% right. of click-through rate, engagement rate on any content that comes through our mm. through our app. And it, it all boils down to the stickiness factor. Mm. Um, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a beautiful f- formula for this. Uh, the reality is that celebrities, macro-influencers, or the brand itself, they give a message that a lot of people might hear, but it sticks in their mind for a very short period of time. Mm. Now, if your family member or your best friend recommends something or takes part in something, jumps through hoops for a brand to Mm. get a reward, that message actually sticks around for a lot longer. Mm. More meaningful. It's much more meaningful. You talked about macro and micro-influence. Maybe... Help us understand it. Sure. Macro being lot, sort of the celebrity level? They are or? the celebrities. Right. They're the Kardashians and the, right. the the people that, you know, you go to their Instagram and each Instagram picture, they'll hold, hold a bottle or yeah, wear a yeah. watch. or And they'll actually say uh, this is in paid partnership with yes. whatever. Okay, yeah. so that's the macro. Micro basically mean You and me. Yeah, average that, people exactly. out there. So our, our circle is micro-influencers. Yeah. As normal people is a lot smaller. So the, the amount of people that you can reach as an inf- a micro-influencer... Mm. Maybe in Europe in, is in the hundreds. In, in Asia, people tend to be more connected. It might be in the thousands. Uh, whereas a, a celebrity will reach millions of people. Mm. But if I can, if I can activate a thousand micro influencers, mm. a thousand individuals mm. that each can reach a thousand of their friends, and the message that they get across has a lot more stickiness, then ultimately the value of that far um, yeah. exceeds what. 
a Cardassian, no disrespect to the Cardassians, uh, but it far exceeds what a, uh, a, a normal person Absolutely. Can, can add to The challenge has always been is finding all those normal people, right? That's, exactly. That's why brands don't go to those people because it's easier to go through a Kardashian because they have an established you know, roadmap. This is what you do. This is how much you pay them and this is what you get. Yeah. Like finding the people out there on the street, so to speak, is really hard, but you're that's creating these these like campaigns effectively exactly. around these competitions, yeah. right? Okay, um, can we have a look at some of the numbers so people can understand where you've gone with this and a bit of the roadmap, if we, if you like. So if we can kind of flick forward. Um, I know you've got some, you've got the market size here, but where you are right now with Shutter, um, you've got some of your clients listed there. Domino's, is that? Yeah, Pizza, Domino's, Domino's Pizza. Pizza. Yeah. Um, Let's, can we just talk a little bit about that as an example? Because yeah. obviously they are one of the world's biggest advertisers. Mm -hmm. um, how did that work? What was the campaign that you did with them? Uh, we did a campaign with Domino's called Celebrations. So pizza in the West, we associated with uh, laziness, sitting yeah. on the sofa, um, getting the Absolutely. delivery man. Yeah, uh, It's not quite the same in Vietnam. Uh, it's very much um, a going out meal. Yeah. And it's something that... Uh, people tend to have when there is celebration. Yeah. So office birthdays, um, those type of things. So what Domino's wanted to achieve was getting across that if there is a celebration going on, then you should be going uh, for a pizza. Mm. Um, so we asked our users to go out and take pictures of celebrations. And the celebrations didn't actually need to include any pizza in the in the photo, it's it's literally about making the association yeah. in people's minds that pizza or Domino's equals fun parties. Mm. Um, it was a very successful campaign. I can't remember exactly how many people entered. Um, but at the end of it, um, we could measure through their, uh, through Domino's analytical channels that um, we increased their online ordering visits to, or, or visits to their ordering page by something like 165% mm -hmm. over a three-week period. And ultimately, their pizzas that were being ordered through social channels went up by 10% using the exact same budget as they would have done normally on their regular social media. Mm -hmm. um, one of the interesting side effects that we noticed is that although the brief didn't ask people to have their parties at Domino's or have Domino's pizza, in their photos, uh, as the campaign went on, by week three, nearly all of the photos, all of the entries included Domino's pizza in, yeah. in the photo in some sort of way. Uh, so it, it worked really well for them. It was content that they could see themselves reusing on their own social media. Mm. Obviously, the brands get a, a content license for each submission. Uh, but yeah, most importantly, we were able to get more pizza orders Mm. coming through uh, social media channels. So that was in Vietnam? Yes. Do you think there'll be any challenges replicating that in other markets? Like, for example, you took that to Singapore or Hong Kong? Every market is is quite unique. Mm. And um, photo missions are, as I say, they're, they're global missions. Anyone globally can take part. Mm. Um, it means that we can tap into a much larger pool of content creators. Uh, but location missions, the balloons, which we haven't really spoken about mm. very much. Well, can the you Pokemon talk, talk, Go uh, Yeah, talk element. about that because it's all over your pitch deck. So yeah, it is. And uh, it's, it's my own bad for starting with the photo video uh, um, aspect of, of the app. If you go a little bit back in the pitch mm. deck, there's a, 
a, a picture of loads of balloons somewhere. So um, what we uh, here are trying to do, this is in Ho Chi Minh City. Mm. There's about 300 balloons at the moment floating around Ho Chi Minh City. And each of those balloons has its own unique mini mission. Now, oh, a mini I mission see, can right. be a game, a shoot 'em up game or a, a flappy bird type game. Uh, it can be a trivia quiz, uh, which brands can use for market research as much as entertainment. Uh, or it can also be a mini photo mission, but then it has to be taken at that specific location. Hmm. So what's Now, the difference between the blue and the red ones? Is there the blue ones are the ones that I've completed. The red ones I'm still oh come on working on. You've got work to do here, Barbara. <laughs> I do. There's 300 balloons, and I still right. need to get some work done every now and again. So if I was so okay, so as I understand how it works, rather than the brand contacting the uh, user directly, they put these missions out there, and it's up to them what they decide to take and not. So yes. if it's in their locality, they may decide to go for it or exactly. not. Okay. Interesting. So it's a bit of a game in there as well for them. It is very much gamifying real life. So yeah. find out what's out there, see what the brands want to offer you. It's a way of uh, getting, um, allowing users to communicate with mm. the brand, uh, but also a way for the brand to give users the tools to talk about the brand in the way that the brand wants to be spoken. Yeah, about. yeah. Um, in location as well. I mean, how important that is for advertising and marketing. Exactly. Right? And, and and this ultimately, whereas the photo missions are great for activating users online and converting mm. um, those users to pizzas sold online, for example, this is very much about activating people online and then driving them to offline locations. Mm -hmm. So again, in, in, in Vietnam, what is very important, where, where it's still very much a cash-based system and Um, you know, people want to see food traffic into their stores. Mm. This is a way in which we can actually drive food traffic to your specific location mm -hmm. in a measurable way. Um, this type of content obviously needs to be highly localized. Mm. And the content, the games, the style, the language that's being used. But is it up to the, the brands to come up with that content? So then it, it would be easy to go to a new city and just get the brands. If they were coming out with the stories, if exactly. you like, the, the competitions, that's fine. Yeah. You don't have to come in and say, look, we're going to plan all of this, and then yeah. people can kind of jump on board, yeah. right? We have a self-service mm. uh, module, a little bit like uh, Facebook ads or Facebook pages yeah. where people can make their own pages and, and set up their own ads. Obviously, that needs to go through an approval queue, even with us. Um, but, yeah, it... As you say, if, if the brands are doing it themselves, they understand their local mm. environment much better than, than we do. So we just make sure that the app is available in the right languages mm. and that we you know, have a basic understanding and, and community builders that speak the same language to help brands along the way. Um, one of the really strong things about the location missions, the balloons, is that that is actually a product that's accessible for micro businesses as much mm. as it is for the large brands, the Unilevers and the Dominoes. So photo missions are expensive projects. They, you know, they, they cost a, a good sum of money. Um, micro businesses, depending on whether they qualify or not, they could have a balloon on the map for a dollar a month. Yeah. And it's those micro businesses that make the content so highly localized. Mm. So in Vietnam, for example, it's really important that we, that we have a lot of coffee on. Vietnamese are, are big, big coffee drinkers. Absolutely. And so we need to make sure that there's a lot of micro-business coffee shops on and, and not just the, the big Starbucks chains because 
that's not actually the coffee that the average Vietnamese yeah, yeah, drinks yeah. more yeah. than once a week. Um, and yeah, if, when we go from uh, from Vietnam to Singapore, for example, then it's not going to be coffee. It's going to be probably food courts. Nasi lemak. Yeah. There we go. Whatever the local flavor is. Okay, very interesting. Um, Barbara, just in, in sort of rounding up, um, what is your situation with fundraising? Are you fundraising at the moment? Yes. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what you've done until now in fundraising. Have you bootstrapped? Did you raise funds? And then tell us about what happens next. Uh, we've bootstrapped, raised funds, bootstrapped again, and mm. now raising funds again. Right. So uh, what are you doing now? Is it an angel round? Is it a seed round? It's a seed round. Yeah. And it's still not uh, too excessively mm. large. Mm. Um, How much are you raising? Can you share? Half a million. Half a million. Yeah. US? US, okay. US, yes. Um, we've raised a little bit less than that in the past, mm. uh, about uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's allowed us to you know, set up the infrastructure, hire the team, uh, get close to becoming self-sufficient. Um, we're raising now because obviously scaling this product is is essential. There's a lot of people working in on similar concepts. Yeah. Um, we think we have a, a, a way of reaching the market very quickly especially if we can leverage micro-businesses mm-hmm. in the same way that we leverage micro-influencers in photo missions. Uh, but still, half a million means that we can expand this into Southeast Asia yeah. in the next 12 months. Where would then, that be? Just down, What will half a million get you? Singapore? Uh, half a million should get us into at least another four countries in yeah. Southeast Asia. Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, Singapore, mm-hmm. Hong Kong, um, Korea maybe. We're mm. very popular in Korea, very popular in Japan. Both of those markets are, they function slightly differently, so mm. it might be more difficult. Uh, but that's the objective for 2019. Okay. And then in 2020, it's global domination. Excellent. Barbara Jimenez, Bridegom. Yeah, thank you for the, the support in pronouncing your name. But thank you so much for coming today it's and sharing your journey with us. What's the best way that people can reach out to you? What's your most preferred channel? Uh, Shutter would be good. Yeah. Uh, obviously. They can contact you on the website? Uh, they can contact uh, us on the website. Uh, they can download the app and get active there. Okay. And I'm just saying, for example, I mean, people if who people watch want this, to contact you directly. Directly. Um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, the website. Okay, um, I'm happy to give out my email address even. Excellent. We'll put all the details in the show notes. Great. Barbara, thanks so much for coming. And come back as well. When you have an update, when the global domination, well, in between now and global domination, in a few months' time, um, one thing the the audience, the listeners, the viewers like is the before and after. Yeah. So we would like to see you, you know, after your, whether or not you've completed your raise or whatever, you know, in like three to four months time, see how things are going on. Because that sort of longitudinal snapshot of your journey is really important for people to understand sort of where you're going. So please come back on and share the journey with us. Love to. Thank you very much for the invitation. Good. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.